Hey folks, SH1T coming to you live. Calm the fuck down. Just stop with all this bullshit that's going on with the coronavirus. Uh, it's the it's the mini flu. That is what it is. This is going to be an extremely discombobulated podcast. I apologize, but it is what it is. But stop with the flu shit. Uh, yeah, hold on. Let's go. Let's let's lead off with that one. No lead off. No needs. But it is what it is. Give it to me. Baby. One more time. Every election year, there seems to be a disease. In SARS, there was 2004. Avian flu in 2008. Swine flu in 2010. MERS in 2012. Ebola 2014. The Zika virus in 2016. Ebola in 2018. And Corona 2020. Coronavirus has a contagion factor of 2 well, six if you ask certain people. SARS was four, and measles is 18, and people refuse to get measles vaccines. Go fuck yourself. Uh, coronavirus has a cure rate of 99.7% for those under 50 years of age that it affects, and its spread is leveling off. It's viral pneumonia being hyped as the Black Plague before an election. Eh, you know, uh, election thing is it's probably fair. Media kind of sucks. Here's Dr. Drew explaining kind of perfectly what the fuck's going on. China is now accusing the U.S. of spreading fear after new travel restrictions were imposed, including a mandatory 14-day quarantine on returning U.S. citizens who have been in certain parts of China. So, Dr. Drew, are we overreacting? Yes. As yes. Mm. Yes. I'm hearing this from doctors left and right. Yes, and we are not overreacting. The press is overreacting, and it makes me furious. The press should not be reporting medical stories as though they know how to report it. We will, If we have a pandemic, I won't know how to tell that we're actually having a pandemic because everything is an emergency. Mm. People that are infectious disease specialists, the CDC, the epidemiologists, need to take this very seriously. The press needs to shut up mm. because you're more likely to die of influenza that's right, what it, right that's now. What, that's right what now. doctors are saying. However, and may... I'm not trying to go against you, but I have a question. It has now beat SARS in terms of fatalities, 362, and they're saying... But its fatality rate is still lower. But they're saying it spreads fast. It's a mild illness. It spreads all over the place, and it's only out of these 17,000 documented infected, I bet there's hundreds of thousands of cases, 300 deaths. Okay. And always in immunocompromised people, always in people that are at risk for these sorts of things, if they get a severe viral respiratory infection, whether it's flu or corona or whatever, all of these can hurt people who are compromised. They can. The rest of us need to wash our hands carefully, get our influenza vaccines, listen to the CDC. If there's a problem, they will let us know. The CDC made it very clear that 5,000 people just in the last two weeks have died from the flu here in America alone. Why are we panicked about that? Three people died on the streets of Los Angeles this morning from homelessness. If that were coronavirus, people would freak the hell out. Why aren't we putting our parties in the right place? It's the press. The press does not know how to report on medical issues. It's where I first learned about Should we have consultants? How could we could we fix this? Fix this. Uh, when Anthony Fauci, who's one of their leaders in infectious disease, gets on um, national news broadcast, goes, don't worry about it, stop worrying about it. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. if there's some data where he says we need to worry about it, then you report on it. Otherwise, shut up. Get that, your flu that, vaccines. We, we talked about this briefly when we were walking in my car. It was really great to get your opinion on this. I we talked about car last night? Yeah. <laughs> you sure you want to talk about that? Well, you know, people always say we want to get money out of politics, but I always say, well, what about getting money out of clickbait? 
and I feel like the coronavirus will always yep. have people click on it. Yep. The flu will not. And yes. I think that that's why the coronavirus is at the forefront of everything you look at, because people are looking at that. Yep. And I don't right. know, is the flu just not sexy enough anymore for no, people to care? No, it's not. Because it's not. And they, again, you're right. They're motivated by getting the eyeballs. And the eyeballs come with some exotic infection, as opposed to saying influenza killed 5,000 mm -hmm. people. Like, oh, well, right. I guess it does that. Oh, a new infection. This is the one. It's going to get us. No, it's not. Mm -hmm. Stop it. Be be professional journalist. Be what you're supposed to be and collate and present the facts as they are, not with sexy headlines that mm -hmm. give us some sort of hysteria. Just kind of continue what the media is doing. And this little audio piece is going to be kind of discombobulated, as I have recently alluded to in this podcast. But Trump's trying to defend the fact that, I mean, the stock market crashed, essentially, given up 10 to 12 points it kind of rebounded and then it's crashing and rebounding so it's like on a will she won't she type thing but the media is like press press hard press press hard press press hard bad S to such an extent that i saw a video where people were trying to beat up this woman that was getting um toilet paper and yeah if you're gonna ration ration because maybe people would understand how good they actually have it in the states and there's no reason to be rationing in the states right now but people are running and just stealing all the, the all the fun stuff and going um in europe it's a little bit but it's just still the flu it's just a fucking flu italy quarantined 16 million people for the flu travel canceled everything canceled for the flu the flu the flu here's trump Thank you, Mr. President. And I'm just going to ask you directly about this with regard to the flow of information. From the very beginning, you received a lot of criticism regarding that, in particular about Dr. Anthony Fauci. He is world-renowned in contagious diseases, and there were reports out there that he was being muzzled. Can you tell us that this widely respected expert, Dr. Fauci, will have every opportunity to tell us the truth? No, that's a very dishonest. Very dishonest question because uh, he has because he has had that uh, ability to do virtually whatever he's wanted to do, and in fact, in fact, he, he was never muzzled. I think I can speak. You can speak. Why don't you speak to that? Very dishonest question, but that's okay. Dishonest. I want to clarify, Mr. President. I want to clarify. So, so let me let me clarify it. I have never been muzzled, ever, and I've been doing this since the administration of Ronald Reagan. I'm not being muzzled by this administration. What happened, which was misinterpreted, is that we were set up to go on some shows. And when the vice president took over, we said, let's regroup and figure out how we're going to be communicating. So I had to just stand down on a couple of shows and resubmit for clearance. And when I resubmitted for clearance, I got cleared. So I have not been muzzled at all. That was a real misrepresentation of what happened. That's been made. I want to provide an update to our people, to our citizens, to the world, frankly, on our action to address the corona virus and those that have been uh, hurt badly by it. At this moment, we have 22 patients in the United States currently that have coronavirus. Unfortunately, one person passed away overnight. She was a wonderful woman, a medically high-risk patient in her late 50s. Uh, four others are very ill. 
Thankfully, 15 are either recovered fully or they're well on their way to recovery. And in all cases, they've been let go in their home. Additional cases in the United States are likely, but healthy individuals should be able to fully recover. And we think that will be a statement that we can make with great surety now that we've gotten familiar with this problem. They should be able to recover should they contract the virus. So healthy people, if you're healthy, uh, you will probably uh, go through a process and, and you'll be fine. Since the early stages of the foreign outbreak, my administration has taken the most aggressive action in modern history to confront the spread of this disease. We moved very early. That was one of the decisions we made uh, that really turned out to be a, a, a lifesaver in a sense, big lifesaver. Uh, on January 31st, I imposed travel restrictions on foreign nations who had and anybody that had been to China or people coming out of China. And I want to say that China seems to be making tremendous progress. Uh, their numbers are way down. And uh, if you read Tim Cook of Apple said that uh, they're now in full operation again in China, their numbers are way down. Experts now agree that the decision to move so quickly, despite a lot of opposition on that decision, was uh, a wise one, it greatly slowed the spread of the virus to the United States, and it really uh, gave us time to do some of the critical moves that we've done, and it allowed these great professionals to get together and figure it all out, and we think they've done that. Uh, we've taken the most aggressive uh, actions to confront the coronavirus, and uh, they are the most aggressive taken by any country. And we're the number one travel destination anywhere in the world, yet we have far fewer cases of the disease than even countries with much less travel or a much smaller population. As an important part of our efforts, on Monday I'll be meeting with the largest pharmaceutical companies in the world, actually. They'll be coming to the White House. Yeah, so it is what it is. Enjoy your panic and your craziness. Enjoy the rest of the podcast. Great intro. I don't know, you know what? I just find women that just like, uh, I think they're great. I don't want this to come off like, I don't want to come up here like I'm some woman hater because, you know, I know I'm a psycho, but it's just like, I don't know. I just find them to be like relentless. Just every day that they, they just, they just got to come at you. They just wake up. They have an agenda. And so they're like these psycho robots that never run out of batteries. And every day they just keep fucking, just keep coming at you. Right? You gotta deal with that every single day. Hey, honey, you wanna say? And you literally, you know, every day, it's, it's like waves hitting the beach, you know? Every day, just eroding a little more of your life away, you know? Just waking up inch by inch, you know, every day, just. Why are you hanging out with him? He drinks too much. Where'd you find that? That's ugly. Throw it out. So one day you're just hanging out in the middle of a lagoon, just floating there with your baseball cards. You're waving to your friends back on the shore. Don't get me tickets, I still like sports. Oh, here she comes, here she comes. Hey, honey, how you doing? 
No, I'm trying to, I'm trying to learn how to, how to pick my battles with my girl, you know? That's what I am, you know? I used to argue all the time. I'm just trying to pick the battles. Some days, they, they come at you. You just, you just gotta let them go. You just let them go and follow them to whatever dumb shit they wanna do. Like, ask me to pick the, we a picnic, you bring the good thing and you fucking... Then other days, you just, you just gotta get your hand up. You just gotta just create this perimeter, something for them to bounce off, like you just, you just send that psycho energy in another direction. Buy yourself a couple of hours for freedom before they bounce off something else. They start coming at you. Go see my parents. No, they're relentless. They never stop. And there's no reason for them to stop. You know why? Because you can't hit them. That's what it is. Think about that. There's no physical ramifications for being an asshole when you're a woman. Do you know how much of a, how much of a dick I would be if it was socially unacceptable to kick the shit out of me? Dude, I would be trashing everybody I saw. See some big muscle bomb guy, hey, go to the fucking gym. Slap his protein shake out of that. Hey, go fuck yourself, right? But I can't do that, right? Every guy has a line, and if I cross the line, I get blasted in the face, totally acceptable, right? But with women, there's no line. They can just keep fucking, just keep coming at you. Dude, they can do stuff worthy of like a suplex, and they'll just stand right next to it. They don't even have the decency to run away. They'll like light your clothes on fire. They're like, ta-da, I did that shit. Oh yeah. And I was so proud of my work, I stuck around to see your reaction. I invited a couple of friends to heckle you as you try to stomp it out with your bare feet. Oh yeah, they're like, key your car, sign their name. Susan did this shit! And you're sitting like, now? Can I at least put her in a headlock? Give her a couple of... Now, I feel bad for women that you, you never get to feel that. You guys should, should do it to each other, you know? Just every once in a while. Just haul off and just blast one of your friends in the face, you know? It's good for you. <laughs> no, I know, yeah, I know, it hurts. You know, you can't feel your nose, your ears are ringing, but I'm telling you, man, it, it clears your head. And it causes you to, like, evaluate yourself. I swear to God, anytime time I ever got punched in the face, I was always pissed, but at some point during the drive home, I'd always be thinking, like, you know, I was kind of being a dick back there, you know? <laughs> and I really think about it, I probably shouldn't have said that last shit, you know? You, 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 like, make that adjustment. All right. Different different kind of podcast, different kind of lead. But it is what it is. Um, listen to 10 Supreme Court cases. The first five were kind of boring, but, you know, that's why I'm here. Next five got more interesting as it went along. Um, but we'll start with uh, U.S. Forest Service versus Cow Pasture River Association. Does the Forest Service have the authority to grant rights of way under the Mineral Leasing Act through lands traversed by the Appalachian Trail within National Forest? The, the basically premise of this uh, case was, can the Alaska pipeline go through the Appalachian Trail? That's all it was. There was some doctrine that said um, Appalachian Trail was basically an impermeable thing. They were trying to dig uh, uh, easements over and pipelines under 600 feet under to be exact um and could they or did they have the authority to do that and i think that they that they did right so you don't own everything if you if somebody puts a trail on top of somebody's land 
do you own like basically the entire latitudinal or longitudinal line? I don't think, I think the answer is no, because you could fly a plane over. You don't have to get air clearance or if you do a pipeline under, just as long as it doesn't, uh, as long as it's uh, beneficial or acquiescent to the private landowners left and right of that trail, then sure, no issues. Uh, Opati versus Sudan. So let's go that way. A bunch of Trumps on the pending cases. So A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, element O, Opati. Consistent with the court's decision in Republic of Australia versus Altman, does the Foreign Sovereign Immunities Act retroactively apply, thereby permitting recovery of punitive damages against foreign states for terrorist activities occurring to the passage of the current version of the statute? Um, basically, the only thing I gleaned from this one was is that Clinton fired fucking tomahawks in the cartoon in 1993 or 1996 was totally unaware of that um i'm not quite sure i don't really understand this case i don't know don't know which way i cited or did whatever but you know clinton fired rockets into khartoum so that's what i got from that one um yeah u.s versus cinema so let's go with that one u.s versus briggs United States versus Senegag Smith. Is a federal criminal prohibition against encouraging or inducing illegal immigration for commercial advantage or private financial gain in violation of... So basically a an individual um, was basically soliciting illegal immigrants and making them pay like $6,000. What they were talking about was did the mere fact that this person was actually doing this, making people like out themselves as illegal immigrants... Could you prosecute the illegal immigrants that did that? Like, this is another one of the um, ID cases. If you, it wasn't an ID case, but if you're looking at the at the illegal immigration issue, um, there was a case that went five to four in favor of being able to prosecute um, illegal immigrants for stealing social security numbers of American citizens. Like, oh, of course, obviously. Why is it a five four? Why is it not a nine zero? The issue with that case was like, they were using these weird databases that people were reporting themselves like e-verify or something similar to that. That's why it was five four. But it was you could expect to be five four with the four justices. You could guarantee that it was Kagan, Sotomayor, Ginsburg, and Breyer. Like I could tell you that now that that's that's who's doing that. Um, with the United States versus Shinnegan Smith, um, yeah, this individual should fucking be thrown in a, in a cell, and then they were this individual was giving advice. Um, so should they be prosecuted? It was a, it was a uh, First Amendment issue, basically, that this person was giving advice. Like uh, a couple of the examples that they had used was, oh, if you have a housekeeper, if you go back to Mexico, you never get back to the States. So should you be able to prosecute the person that gave that advice? Because, and then they were arguing with that as a First Amendment issue. So uh, it's kind of bullshit, if you ask me. Um, if there's an illegal immigrant, like it's the same thing. If you know somebody's stealing shit from other people and you say, hey, don't steal shit, but you know that they're stealing shit and you don't report them, like could you be held culpable? Of course, you're an accessory to an illegal crime, right? Should be a misdemeanor, but it is what it is. Um, that was me on that one. Lomax versus Ortiz, down to the L's. Let's run to that one real quick. Do, 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 do. Lomax, Ortiz, Marquez. Does this missile without prejudice fail to disclaim account? as a strike under the Prison Litigation Reform Act. So basically, the Prison Litigation Reform Act was uh, passed in order to stop litigious prisoners from basically bogging up the court system. And this 
uh, court case was challenging that fact. Um, and they were basically doing legalese, saying De, without prejudice or with prejudice, like both were actions, according to one thing, and it counts as a strike against the uh, prisoner. So I had no issue with that. They were trying to argue that with prejudice or without prejudice, one of those two was not supposed to be a strike, but they're supposed to be a strike. Like, if you submit a court claim as a prisoner and it doesn't pan out, strike against you, you get three strikes, then you have to start paying the court system to submit more court documents. So, yeah, no issues with that one. Uh, Narsala versus Ben. So let's go with that one. Element in. Do, do, do. Nasrallah versus Barr. Notwithstanding a thing, do the Court of Appeals possess jurisdiction to review factual findings and only denials of withholding? Um, so basically, people would show up at the border and they would claim asylum, or they'd say they're, they're tortured, or they'd do whatever. The way the court system has been confirmed or rejiggered is that um, the officer that receives the hearing can d dictate or determine what the what the rite of passage is, right? If they're full of shit or whatever. And they were arguing that, hey, this officer did this wrong thing, but, oh, if somebody comes and says, oh, I've been tortured, should the American, like, that should give you the ability to go in, in front of a court and make your claim that if you were sent back to whatever country you came from, Lebanon in this instance, um, and you could prove that you were being uh, tortured, that you wouldn't go back to Lebanon. The problem with it is that anybody can just come up and claim, oh, I'm seeking asylum. If I go back, I'll get tortured. And then you have 10,000, 20,000, 30,000 court cases on your docket immediately. And that was the problem they were dealing with. Um, I think maybe judicial review was part of this issue. Should they have the ability to do that? I don't know. Probably not. Um, give it to the executive. Allow them to deal with immigration. Uh, DHS versus blah 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 so these are where the fun ones start getting and these are like that's why i li like listening to them because they're really good uh questions um department of homeland security versus thuragisum as applied um yeah it's, it's the same question if you show up um and i think this one was different in the fact that the united states said hey here's a plane ticket go back and they were like oh no detend me so it was a habeas corpus issue where, but it was like you have a habeas corpus means you have a right to be released unless you're under charge of something. And this the United States was saying, yes, you can be released. Go back. Go back to Lebanon. Go away. And they were like, oh, no, like I don't want to be released in Lebanon. I want to be released where I was apprehended at. No. If you have a removal order, get the fuck out of the country. Um, Sheila Law versus Consumer Fight. Uh, Financial Protection Bureau. This one was, um, does Trump have the right to remove the head of the Consumer Protection Financial Bureau based on the Dodd-Frank Act, which says that you can't do these things? Um, does the vesting and substantial executive authority in CPFB as an independent agency led by a single director violate the Service Powers Act? So basically they were arguing the fact that can Congress just make laws that say you can't dismiss, like the Fed was the big one. Fed are the people that set interest rates based on everything that's going on with the country, so you don't want the president intermingling with the Fed because if they control monetary policy, they can summarize the economy, so you want that to be an independent industry. So 
According to the Dodd-Frank Act, Consumer uh, Protection Finance Bureau, or Con- Consumer Finance Protection Bureau, should be an ed- independent entity. Um, the problem with that is, is that it's a part of the cabinet. Should they be released? Like I was saying, or my thought was, if it's part of the Dodd-Frank Act, um, yeah, it's part of the thing. But then Congress is overstepping their bounds because they're basically dictating they can decide who in the cabinet of the president is or is not part of the, you know, you don't want undue influence over. And that was the issue they were dealing with. Number two, if the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau was found unconstitutional on the basis of separation of powers, can they be severed from the Dodd-Frank Act? And if you sever it, um, you have to do the only one piece of the document, not the other. So, um, the Congress should not be allowed to dictate to the executive what they should do. So, and they were bringing up the other part, the piece or part of, um, so then the president should just not give funding to the CPFB if they wanted to do that. So, yeah, Congress should, have that, should not have that power or authority. Uh, live versus SEC. Let's go back to the L's. Yeet, yeet, saving the best for last. Lou versus Security and Exchange Commission. This is a dumb one. Um, they were arguing how much money should you take from somebody when they fuck you out of money via investing. Apparently the husband got $6.7 million and the wife got $1.4 or some shit like that. So should you only be entitled to the profits that they gain or they glean from their nefarious activity? No, you should be able to pull them root and stem. Uh, from their ass to their whatever. So you should be able to take everything from them, uh, was my thoughts on that one. So the question was, can the Securities and Exchange Commission seek and obtain disgorgement from a court as equitable relief for a securities law violation, even though the Supreme Court has determined that disgorgement is a penalty? So apparently if you um, if you apply a penalty, it has to be by statute. So the Congress has to approve that. So, yeah, sad panda. And last but not least, June Medical versus Russo. This was the um, abortion case where your fearless and trusty Senate Minority Leader, Chuck Schumer, decided to point at uh, Kavanaugh and Gorsuch and say, if you don't rule this way, there will be consequences for your actions. And most people get years in prison for threats like that to Supreme Court justices or judges in general. So just imagine if you were just a smuckatelli of whoever and you walked out and said hey judge if you don't find my friend not guilty there will be consequences for your actions you'd probably go to jail for that you'd be held in contempt of court whatever the case is but since chuck schumer is fucking super cool guy nothing's gonna happen um there was also other crazy people out in front so chuck schumer had his little say this woman had her say Sitting in Los Angeles in my beautiful office of my own late night talk show. Soon I would be driving my hybrid car to my beautiful home. I have all of this. All of it. Because. 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 I was allowed bodily autonomy at 15 What's hilarious about this and what's what boggles my mind is that for all the regulations and everything that Democrats like to do to people, conservatives are using the exact same ploy to stop abortion, right? So the key is that 
if you want to slow something down or stop something, you regulate it. So if you regulate the economy, you will slow it down or stop it, which is hilarious to me. So the same thing that Republicans become Democrats and Democrats become Republicans when it comes to this certain area or issue, uh, abortion being this one. And you'd be surprised by my thoughts on this case, by the way. But the number, number two is, uh, if you give an inch, they'll take a mile. That's a true idiom wherever you go. So um, safe, legal, and rare is now what that lady was doing. I can't do anything. It's fucking, it's an embarrassment. Uh, June, A, B, C, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P. Doing it. Going. Come on, June Medical Services versus Russo. This is a countersuit as well. Does the Fifth Circuit's decision upholding Louisiana's law requiring physicians who perform abortions to have admitting privileges as a local hospital conflict with the court's binding precedent in Whole Woman's Health versus Hellerstadt? Whole Woman's Health was a legal ruling in Texas saying that you couldn't make, like Texas was saying, the, the hallways have to be this, this wide. You have to have these kind of accesses and whatever. And it was considered an undue burden for women to get an abortion. So Louisiana said, nah, fuck it. We'll just make it requirements for the physicians to do this, that, and the other. So now you're bound. So physician, physicians had to uh, guess, basically get these cert certifications uh, to, to perform abortions. They had to have admitting privileges in certain hospitals. And in order for them to do that, they had to perform X amount of surgeries and this, that, and the other. And most abortion uh, doctors don't have this capability. They, they brought up the fact that there was a radiologist that was performing abortions for these ladies. And they, the other one was they were differentiating between a medical and a surgical procedure. So if you just did the medical procedures, a.k.a. give the Plan B pill to women, then you would not qualify to get an admitting privileges because you weren't committing a certain amount of surgeries because the, the hospitals want you to do that so they can make more money in their profit and so on and so forth. So of the six doctors that were petitioning, and that was another thing, do the doctors have standing because they're suing on the behalf of women that have not alleged uh, an issue yet? Um, that was a whole other argument. But um, it was the basic boil down to is do does somebody have a right to a medical service? The answer is no, they don't, right? Um, nobody has a right to your service. If I'm a doctor, you don't have a right to, to what I provide and so on and so forth. But if people are willing to provide it, then you can do it, and that's a free exchange of the uh, market, even if it is, and that's the whole thing, the murder of a child, right? Um, it's, But you have to draw a line somewhere, and that's where this court, this case did not get to that. The case got to could you or should you be able, be able to restrict doctors' ability to perform a procedure based on licensing or restrictions or whatever. My answer to that is no. I don't think you should be able to do that. What I'd like to see or what should occur is better challenges to Roe versus Wade besides what I had heard previously in the Texas challenge, like, oh, a hallway has to be this wide, and if it's not this wide, then you can't perform a, uh, uh, a procedure. Like, ah, if you give pills or whatever the case, it doesn't matter. Whatever. Right? People, have, people make their decisions. They're allowed to do what they want to do. Um, the, the better challenge is 
where's the line between life and death when it comes to whatever? Like, nobody would argue that if you stab a 23-year-old in the face and kill them, that's murder. Where does that line start? So somebody needs to draw that line. And then there's going to be a court. There has to be a case. And obviously, I think we're in a bad spot when it comes to that. When you hear what you hear from actresses and actresses on the, actors on the left uh, about no actors, but about abortion and all that fun stuff. So, so I would agree that you should not be able to restrict a medical procedure based on the stupid things that they were talking about in this case. So, all right, um, yeah, it's fun. Not really. On to sports. I'm a loser, people. Oh yeah, let's get that out of the way, you know, 36, not married, I sleep on a futon, you know, my back hurts, it's awful. I'm at that age where everybody I know is getting married. People, let me ask you a question, why the hell do people keep getting married? You know what I mean, isn't anybody looking at the stats? What's it like, three out of four marriages go right down the drain now? People, if you were going skydiving and they told you three out of four parachutes weren't going to open, you'd be like, yo, forget it, I'm not going. I don't like those odds. I'm just kidding, people. You know what? I'll get married. I'll get married the day I see a married guy who actually like looks happy. You know what I mean? Because every time you see a married dude, anytime you ask him what it's like being married, they always tell you it's good, but they have a look on their face like they have like an appendicitis. Oh, it's hilarious. You're like, yeah, you know, so what's it like being married? They're like, yeah, it's good, it's good. That's good, yeah, it's a lot of work, but uh, yeah, it's good. You know, when you, meet, when you meet the right person and, you know, it starts to click, you know, it's definitely, it's a good thing. I, you know, I enjoy it. You'll meet that person, you know when you know. I can't feel my legs. No, you know when you know. It's definitely, it's a good thing. Just... I love women, though. This is my deal. I love women, but you know what I'm finding? I'm not compatible with them. You know? I'm serious. Women have, like, too much energy for me. That's what I've noticed, you know? Like, you can't have a day off when you have a girlfriend. They just, like, see that open day. They're like, oh, my God, let's go fill it up with some stuff. <laughs> no, and then they just come at you with one horrible idea after another. Horrible ideas, like, you want to make some sandwiches and go to the park? <laughs> no, <laughs> every one of their ideas involves, like, walking around, like, looking at stuff. It's almost like they're trying to wear you down. After like two or three stores, you're like leaning on stuff. <laughs> I don't care. Just buy something. I don't care. You know what the worst one is? You ever get that one? You want to go to brunch? You want to go to brunch on Sunday? And inside you're like, no! But you can't say that. You got to keep them happy, right? So what do you do? You're like, yeah, let's go to brunch. What a great idea. Why would you want to sleep in on a Sunday when you can go pay $18 for eggs? Now nah, you're thinking. Now nah, you're thinking. Then we can sit around and listen to your friends have moronic conversations about the eggs. Like, is that pesto? Is that pesto in your omelet? Oh, it's asparagus. It's asparagus. I thought it was pesto. Oh, you just want to flip the whole table? And just run out of there. So, 
I was dating this girl recently. This girl's like really like into like women's issues. <laughs> she got me this book on women's live one time, right? So I'm reading this thing. I think women's live was a great thing. Like back in the 70s, I thought it was cool, you know? Over the last couple of years, though, I think that whole woman's movement, it's really starting to morph into kind of like this reverse pimping kind of thing, you know? Because every time you see them on TV, they always say, all we want is to be treated exactly like guys, right? But if you listen to them, they don't. They only want the good stuff of being a guy. They look at a guy's life like it's like a buffet. <laughs> like you just can start picking up stuff, like same amount an hour, we'll take some of that. Pay for the movie, that's okay, you can keep that one, I don't like that one. <laughs> This is nice, that's yucky, that's icky. I mean, come on, people, you can't choose. This girl gave me a rough time one time. She goes, well, why does a guy make more an hour to do the exact same job? I go, I'll tell you why. Because in the unlikely event that we're both on a Titanic and it starts to sink, for some screwed up reason, you get to leave with the kids and I have to stay. <laughs> You know, if there's a house fire, it's always women and children first. I gotta stand there with like the back of my shirt on fire, going, let's go, people, let's go, let's go. <laughs> so that's how I look at it. No, it's a dollar an hour surcharge. <laughs> Seriously, that if something screwed up happens, either I can't leave or I gotta like get in the way of it to give you a head start, like rabbit dog, run, honey, one Mississippi, two Mississippi. <laughs> You hear a bump in the night, I gotta go check it out. Like, yes, he does have a knife. No, I don't. I don't think a woman should make a dollar less an hour to do the exact same job, okay? I'm not saying that. All I'm saying is if you're gonna make what I make when the boat sinks, you better be standing right there next to me, listening to that guy play the cello. Then you get the corner office. I don't got a problem. You got all the benefits. That's why I didn't like that movie, The Titanic. You know, you know what I hate about that movie? Every girl I meet thinks that movie's romantic. Like, my God, that was so romantic, don't you think? No! No, I don't, it was a horror film. And they're always like, why? Why, because all the guys die. See, you're sitting there watching it going, who would I be in that scenario? You'd be that chick floating away in the big piece of luggage. I'm watching it going, who would I be? I'd be that dude when like the boat breaks in half, that dude who like falls straight down, bangs off the stuff and goes into the water. That's who I'd be. I'd be wearing a tuxedo, not because I wanted to, but you wanted to dress up that night, right? And I'd just be falling the whole way down. I should have humped that chicken for his class. All right, folks, welcome to the Spore Report. Talking to special guest Chris Morris, working at a tire shop, making everything happen for you, the fine Americans of peoples, of whatever's going on. So, leading off with the old XFL, <clears throat> the old uh, Houston Roughnecks, finally a team that we can get behind in, in Texas. Not the stupid, not the stupid ass Cowboys or the Houston Texans, but the Roughnecks five and zero. They won controversially apparently against Seattle, thirty two twenty three. Did you watch that game or no? Yeah, I did. Uh, it wasn't too much of a controversy. It's just that uh, there was a couple seconds left on the last kneel down, and they didn't challenge it, which uh, they probably could have got away with it. They get like two seconds a chance for a touchdown and a three point conversion to tie it. I guess. Who's they? But 
the Seattle Dragons. But they're down by, oh yeah, they're down by nine. Okay, all right. Yeah, uh, yeah so Houston wins, Houston wins 32-23. New York beats Dallas 30-12. to Currently, St. Louis and uh, D.C. are tied at six with 10 minutes to go in the second quarter. Uh, standings, apparently St. Louis is killing it in the attendance standings. Like, they're really excited about football being back in their city. They're 3-1. and one. They lead the East Division. And then the Roughnecks, the last remaining undefeated team, 5-0, and oh, um, leading the West. So, I like the... Yeah, I like the... I like the kickoff, and I like the extra point shit. So, yeah, a lot of people are saying the NFL should adopt that. I I don't know about the kickoff. Like, I mean, you put that in the NFL. I see a lot of touchdowns being made. Like, it's it's a lot of quick decisions. Like, there's a lot of lateral blocking, which is it makes it very interesting. I like to watch it for sure. Yeah, the kickoff's better. Yeah, you just don't turn off the kickoff. The kickoff's a moot point in the NFL. What's crazy about it is that they don't even think about how to how to improve the game. It is kind of go humdy dumdy whatever. Speaking of the NFL, uh, they're trying to uh, they're trying to go to eighteen games, maybe seventeen, depending. Um, who cares? Um, oh wow, Saints are gonna they're put up. What's up? For teams, I can't blame them. It kind of evens it out a little bit. Eighteen games. Well, maybe you don't even have to go to eighteen. Even if you just go to seventeen. Add another game. That's more revenue that the the teams can gather for their salary caps. Yeah, nobody cares. Uh, Chargers and Eckler reach a four-year deal. Um, Rogers, their collective bargaining agreement. It's always going on. Uh, there's also the draft. Houston Texans don't have a draft in the first round, so fuck it. Um, and then Williams tackle for the Redskins is going to seek a trade. So great. It's going to hit. Yeah, uh, the offseason is looking like this might be the most crazy offseason in the world. So it's possible you could pick up Brady. Mariota's available. Ryan Tannehill might be available. Ryan Fitzpatrick might be available. Uh, the Chiefs can't afford Watkins, so there's a number one draft pick receiver right there that's available. You know, just, just hitting the prime, probably get at least a good six year, good years out of him if you can afford it. Yeah, apparently, uh, apparently the draft is stacked too. Like if you're looking for offensive yeah. linemen or defenders, they're all yeah. it's littered with the first forty to forty-five picks are like cal- NFL caliber players. So yeah, I think in maybe not in the next ten years, maybe the next twenty years, you're going to see that a lot more in sports. Like like it's going to be first like like you could you could justify picking anyone in the first thirty-one. Because people are just getting better, the programs are getting better. Uh, you know, and with the uh, narrow margin of like how skilled you have to be to actually make it into the fucking NFL, uh, you got the XFL kind of farm league going to develop players. Uh, it's just going to be interesting. I say the first and second rounds are going to get really interesting. Yeah, I hope. But the, yeah, it's, I hope the fuck X- knows, man. Like, if you're Miami, like you got. <clears> I, I don't know. Like, like you're telling your friend. I heard y'all talking about it, and I agree. Like, if Miami doesn't become a playoff contender this year, do you just fire the entire fucking staff and hire, like, high school kids? Because maybe they could do a better job, or... Shit. Yeah, you got hire, three first-rounders. Hire me, dude. Fucking... If you have three first-round draft picks and you can't you can't make a team out of it, I think they have they have an insane amount of picks this year. So they should be... They should definitely be a contender in the South, especially since Brady doesn't, doesn't know where he wants to play in the New England. The... 
So Buffalo has their team, but all their quarterback is is just a white Robert Griffin III. Uh, the Brown, or who else is in that division? Buffalo, Miami, New England, and shit. Who's in that division? New York. Ah, who cares? Uh, Jets, yeah. Jets fucking terrible, yeah, too. Yeah, so. yeah, there's a lot. So, eh, yeah. who knows? And hopefully, the, I hope the XFL continues because that would be nice to have football till April. That'd be sweet. Yeah. So. Yeah, I'm all for it, man. Uh, the Houston, Houston Roughnecks, I, I know we're kind of all over the place. Who gives a shit? We're talking about football. They're really good with the long ball. Like, uh, they got like a Michael Vick style quarterback, some really good receivers. You know, their, their defensive core is cool. And they were smart. You know, they got like as many black pairs of players they possibly could. You know, so if you're going to roll the dice on secondary picks, make sure they're African American for sure. That's fucked up. But yeah, you know, and fucking, they're killing it, dude. Uh, they, they're really good with the long ball. Uh, Dallas, uh, our other Texas team, they're suffering at quarterback. Because they had Landry Jones. I guess Bob Stoops just had like a little soft heart for him. Because, you know, he, they played together at Oklahoma. So I think there's a little favorites in there. But they're fucked at the quarterback position. They got a good trainer, I guess, in Landry, but he, he can't play no more, so they need to figure that out. Nobody cares about Dallas, except for Tornadoes. Yeah. Um, or, or Cowboys. Dallas Mavericks is the only, the only team that exists to me. Yep. Speaking of African-Americans, NBA standings, uh, Eastern Conference, Milwaukee Bucks. You got background we noise. Sure. You got background noise crazy. This is going to be the worst podcast ever. What? Mr. Arms can read internet stats. <laughs> you got to take me off speaker, man. Like, because you got so much background noise, it's insane. Uh, Milwaukee Bucks, uh, 53 and 10. Eight and a half game lead over the uh, Raptors. Boston, Miami, Indy, Philly, Brooklyn, and Orlando. Orlando has a four and a half game lead over the Wizards. In the Western Conference, Lakers have clinched a playoff spot. Clippers five and a half back. Denver, Utah, Houston, OKC, Dallas, and Memphis. Apparently, Luka Doncic is killing it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then it's a three and a half or four and a half game separation between Memphis and Sacramento. The Spurs are five and a half back. Uh, be the first time they haven't made the playoffs in quite some time. Uh, 26 mm-hmm. and 35. So go, Spurs. Hey, go. I'm pretty sure it's the Eastern. I think the Eastern Conference, they're doing a fairing a lot better. And it always typically goes that way. But there's one conference, like, you got to win 50 games just to make it to the postseason. And then on the West, yeah, it's, it's always just a gamble. That's the, the West. on the West. Like, I think uh, Mavericks are in seventh seed right now, and they got, like, a seven-game spread. So they're, they're some pretty – Yeah, they're, they're 10 back. or They're 10 back of first place, but then they have a seven-game lead on the eighth seed. So, yeah, don't ever go – don't ever do speaker again. Yeah, well, it's just because it's fucking windy here. Maybe if I close this door, it'd help. I'm in the garage. You're a retard. I'm normal, I'm about to you. All right. Let me try. Switch it back. SEC How's... basketball standings. I knew I would. I, I told everybody I would stop, but A&M is actually ten and eight for some ungodly reason. Um, they were they were eight and eight, and they won two games in a row. So I don't know what their their problem is. They beat uh, the Razorbacks, and they beat Auburn. And Auburn is 17th in the nation. Interesting. 
So I don't know. You never know when they might be taking dives. Maybe. <laughs> they were playing in Western Filipino University. Yeah, they play. Um, Mis- they play Missouri. I don't know if that's an SEC opening round game or what. So, I think that is. I think that's the opening round of the SEC tournament. They play Mizzou. So, yeah. What you gonna do? Yeah. In MMA. What are you do? Yeah, UFC 248. Um, I watched the fourth and fifth round of Adesanya Romero, and it was a it was the worst fight I've ever seen in my life. <clears throat> you think Romero would really go after it because you know it's his last fucking shot like it's got to be unless he wants to move up 205 and make something happen there but yeah uh, he had some interesting strikes like he caught uh, Adesanya real early like it looked like he was looking straight at the ground and threw like a fucking overhead right at like a 90 degree angle and chopped him right in his brow so there were some interesting shots but yeah overall it's fucking boring now, Zeng versus Derjajic, on the other hand, that was probably one of the best fucking fights I've ever seen. Like, either one of those women can have my babies just because I know they would have good genetics. <laughs> like, that that was fucking insane. Yeah. It was split division, uh, 48-47, 47-48, 48-47. Yeah, it's a split. Uh, the Chinese women are taking over the sport. Uh, Adesanya outpointed Romero, yay for him. Uh, McGregor apparently has to fight Gaethje before he gets a title shot, but McGregor's not even in the title realm um, with uh, Nurmagomedov. Nurmagomedov is just would destroy McGregor again. Um, was... Let me throw this out there, though. Okay, look, McGregor has more money to train than anybody. Now, I'll agree. How the fuck do you beat somebody who's been wrestling bear since he was a kid, grew up in Dagestan? Like, I don't think you can ever replace that hunger. And Khabib is obviously really good, but... Uh, uh, McGregor lays off the coke and alcohol and gets good trainers, which he has the money for. Uh, you know, there's anything could happen. Like, it's not like Nurmagomedov just completely fucking obliterated him. Like, he, he, but it's not like McGregor could get up, get up either. But it's an interesting first fight. We'll yeah. see what happens. And apparently Invicta is using uh, open scoring. So they report the round. Like if they, they tell everybody what the round is. So the judges say, yeah, this, this is, is a score... Good. Every round. That's not bad. Oh, look, man. You get him with a left hook. That's 10 points better. <laughs> Pretty Some much. Fucking shit. That is in Texas. Yeah. A&M Baseball. They are 13-3 and with a three-game winning streak. They went to uh, the Frisco Classic and got destroyed by Illinois, UCLA, and Oklahoma State. And they're back to beating on small children. Uh... <laughs> A&M Corpus Christi, 5-4. Abilene Christie was postponed. And they are 2-0 against the New Mexico State, 8-3 and 7-5. and They got the rubber match in the series. And then they travel to Rice and Auburn to start SEC play. But uh, basically hovering outside the top 25, A&M baseball. What are your comments, sir? I don't know much about it, man. They got some guys that can hit with the women and bat, so good for them. You're so full of shit. <laughs> well, they scored 17 in one fucking match I saw you yeah. know I, I'm, I'm not like a diehard A&M fan like, especially when it comes to baseball like maybe I'll pay attention to the Oakland A's which uh, speaking of MLB what the fuck is that is the freakiest shit I've ever heard of the Cactus League and the Grapefruit League that's always been the leagues like, man that's never changed that for leagues 
That's never changed. The sexual offenders and then the R. Kelly's, you know? Might as well. But that's never, that's always been the cactus in the grapefruit leagues. It's never, it's never changed. So. Yeah, I never knew that. I was looking up stats on the internet so I could appear like I knew what I was talking about. Yeah. So, so be it. It more, more reputable, but not actually. Now, the dumbest thing about that is that you see these posts by Texas Rangers and they're like, oh, look at us. We have a winning streak. It's fucking postseason. It's preseason. Fuck out of here. You know, you guys are, you got the cheaters in your division, and then you got every West Coast team that could care less. You got the Angels, the Oakland A's, A's and the Seattle Mariners, so nobody gives a fuck. Yeah. NHL to round it out. Um, in the Atlantic, uh, Boston, Tampa Bay, Toronto, top three. Uh, Boston with a seven-point uh, lead over Tampa Bay. And then you have Florida and Montreal, 76-71. But that doesn't matter because in the Metropolitan, it's the Wizards and the Flyers tied at 89. Pittsburgh rounds up the top three with the Islanders and the Blue Jackets at 79. That gives them a massive, well, three-point lead over the Panthers in the Eastern. In the Western Conference... What's up? Third overall. In the Western Conference Central... Blues, Avalanche, and the Stars. Stars haven't scored a point in their last, or they haven't won a game in the last five, uh, but they still have an eight-point lead over Nashville uh, for the final seed in the Central. Uh, Edmonton, Vegas, and Calgary uh, for the Pacific, and then it's a three-team tie for the two final spots: Nashville, Winnipeg, and Vancouver, with 76 points. So it looks like it's going to be fun in the Western Conference. For uh, good old hockey. Yeah. Oh, since we're all over over the board anyway, you're trying to keep it in order. Let me fuck it up for you. All right. So, big trade rumor. So there's, and I think these guys are just trying to look for for clickbait views, but we'll see how it goes. So the biggest rumor though is is they're talking that Brady's probably not going back to the Patriots. Like I think Belichick's ready to move on. Uh. You know, he may finish the last year there. We'll see. But that's, they're saying he's not going back. The biggest place they think he might go, I mean, obviously San Diego, Chicago. But uh, the conversations are all leading towards the Niners. Like, they want them to get rid of Jimmy G, sign Brady, and uh, see if Brady can get a championship, I guess, in, I don't know, two different divisions, AFC, NFC. That would be a, that'd be a world first. Why would you but, do that? Uh, there's, a lot, there's a lot of talk about that. It's stupid. Like, if I'm the GM of the 49ers, I don't know. Like, we got 13 million cap space. Like, uh, we're probably going to lose, was it Ward or whatever, to free agency? Uh, looks like we'll pick up that, what's that dude, in, uh, that safety out of, I forget, there's some safety we're looking at, Dolphin or Dolprit. Don't look at me. I don't me. remember his name. But, yeah, yeah but, like, like, what do you do in that situation as a GM? Like, Having Brady on your team, he's a great quarterback, even as long as the guy can still move. No. Nope. Do you trade Jimmy G, and, and what do you trade him for if you decide to make that trade? No, nope. you don't touch Brady with a ten foot pole. You don't even. You stay away from that. So you don't even. You don't even entertain Tom Brady coming to your team unless you have a quarterback deficiency. And this, the Niners do not have a quarterback deficiency. They have two running backs. They have a fantastic offensive line. They got a decent defense. Um, I wouldn't. I would keep Garoppolo. And move on to the next thing, or maybe draft a quarterback. 
in this stacked-ass draft. So I would not even touch Brady with a 10-foot pole. Maybe Chicago, maybe Miami, like these other teams that need a, a quarterback to hold him for a couple of years, maybe. But San Francisco is not one of those teams. We'll see what happens. Does Brady dream to play at Candlestick Park? Maybe maybe the Raiders. Like, I don't know. But so. Chicago makes a lot of sense. The Jets make a lot of sense. The Redskins. But they have Haskins. Um, who else? You really think the Jets, like, you don't have no faith in Sam Darnold? You don't think he can get it done? He looks like a retard. They have offensive line issues more than anything. They're about to lose both their tackles. Sam Darnold looks like Which a retard. Which is typical for the Jets. I mean, because who wants to play there? Sam Darnold looks like a retarded Eli Manning. But they would not. Uh, they wouldn't trade. Uh, they wouldn't trade him within the inside of the division, so that wouldn't happen. Um, so yeah, uh, Chicago makes a lot of sense. Uh, I wouldn't. Not not the Rams. Maybe Arizona's got Murray, so that's fine. Um, Indianapolis might make a lot of sense. Jacksonville maybe. Um, stuff like that. There's a bunch of teams he could go to, but San Francisco's not one of them. Here's where Brady makes the most sense for me. Miami. That's what I said. Think about it. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. But you have three first runners you don't have to spend on a quarterback. You don't have to do it. Well, they could draft a quarterback. They could draft they could they could trade for Brady or pick up Brady in the free agency, give him the money he's looking for because they have buku amounts of money to give, and they could draft a quarterback with their first pick as the future, right? And have Brady shell him for one or two years, but Brady is like Peyton Manning. He just doesn't have the arm. He's got the mind to play, but he doesn't have the body or the arm to get the ball where it needs to be when it when it comes to it. So I don't know. I didn't see his skill set declining that bad. It was. I he was. Brady did a he was not job. throwing the ball. He just doing kind of sucked this year. They yeah. had a lot of holes. Yeah, they did. But Brady was not getting the ball where it needed to be. Like he's not, uh, he's not like Rogers esque. Rogers still got it. Breeze was trying to retire, but he still got it. Brady, you're like, eh. you like you kind of have that wandering feeling that he may or may not have it. So, yeah, I think Drew Breeze did retire. Yeah, no, he didn't. He's gonna go back for another year. Yeah, create some more space on his lead. He's the, I think he's the number one quarterback now as far as stats go. Yeah. All right, brother. There's your spore rapport. I do appreciate it. When are you going to do just a regular conversation podcast with me? Anytime. I thought this was what he's always kind of wore. Yeah, it's up to you, man. It is what it is. This will we be can the. talk about anything, man. That's why I say, hey, I'll, I'll do the news with you. I'll do the spore rapport. I just, I don't know. There's a bunch of sports shit. That's what you're always into. So. Yeah. I have a sports I, segment. I have a news segment. Idea. I have a sports segment. I have a news segment. And then apparently I have a. Um, every now and again, I have a Supreme Court segment. That's what I work on on this podcast. So, yeah, so. I like it all, man. It's all good. I still think that one with you and your two friends was the best. It's good. Yeah, they are just being yourselves, just talking shit to each other. It made everything worthwhile. Good. I like. It. I'm glad you appreciate it. I'm glad you liked it. So. <laughs> you sound like fucking Tom Brady. Oh, you know, you just gotta gotta stay positive. You know, that that's what the Patriots are about. You know, you know, we got five elements. We got the offense, the defense, the the postseason, the Belichick, and the uh, the media. You know, 
on a Cincinnati. How's uh how's Brady treating you? Uh, it's good, dude. Yeah, I don't mind it. It's a lot of hard work, and it's not always hard, hard, hard. But yeah. How many days you work? Six normally. Nice. You make like three dollars an hour. You one of those Mexicans? Yeah, basically. You know, I work, I work the hard, and, and they bring the the the, the taco, and I eat the taco, and that's that's the payment. <laughs> <laughs> they feed me. They do. I. They told me. Are you they, still recording, or are you done? They come to and they tell me to do essay, and I write an essay, and I thought we were <laughs> friends, but they make me write, so I don't know what's going on. So. <laughs> No que, no que no taco. So now, yeah, of course I'm recording. So why would I not record? So yeah, yeah. This will be the end of the. This will be the end of the the sports segment. Will be the end. So people will be getting the nice little uh, segments. And little did you know that I was recording the first three minutes of our conversation as well. So I'll put that at the very end of the podcast, so they can see the internals of the old thing. So. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. All right, brother. I'm looking forward to that one. Yeah. This is the Peter Pan story, roughly speaking. Is Peter Pan is this magical boy. Pan means Pan is the god of everything, roughly speaking, right? And so it's not an accident that he has the name Pan. And he's the boy that won't grow up. And he's magical. Well, that's because children are magical. They can be anything. They're nothing but potential. And Peter Pan doesn't want to give that up. Why? Well, he's got some adults around him, but the main adult is Captain Hook. Well, who the hell wants to grow up to be Captain Hook? First of all, you've got a hook. Second, you're a tyrant. And third, you're chased by the dragon of chaos with a clock in its stomach, right? The crocodile, it's already got a piece of you. Well, that's what happens when you get older. Time has already got a piece of you. And eventually it's got a taste for you. And eventually it's going to eat you. And so Hook is so traumatized by that that he can't help but be a tyrant. And then Peter Pan looks at traumatized Hook and says, well, no, I'm not sacrificing my childhood for that. So that's fine, except he ends up king of Lost Boys in Neverland. Well, Neverland doesn't exist, and who the hell wants to be king of the Lost Boys? And he also sacrifices the possibility to have a real relationship with a woman, because that's Wendy, right? And she's kind of conservative, middle-class, London-dwelling girl. She wants to grow up and have kids and have a life. She accepts her mortality. She accepts her maturity. Peter Pan has to content himself with Tinkerbell. She doesn't even exist. She's like, she's like the fairy of porn. She doesn't exist. She's the substitute for the real thing. And so, but the dichotomy that you're talking about is very tricky because there's a sacrificial element in maturation, right? You have to sacrifice the pluripotentiality of childhood for the actuality of a frame. And the question is, well, why would you do that? Well, one reason is it happens to you whether you do it or not. You can either choose your damn limitation or you can let it take you unaware when you're 30 or even worse when you're 40. And then that is not a happy day. And you see, I see people like this and I think it's more and more common in our culture because people can put off mat maturity without suffering an immediate penalty. But all that happens is the penalty accrues, and then when it finally hits, it just wallops you. Because when you're 25, you can be an idiot. It's no problem. Even when you're 
out in a job search, it's like, well, you don't have any experience and you're kind of clueless. It's, yeah, yeah, you're young. You know, it's no problem. We can, that's what young people are like, but they're full of potential. Okay, well, now you're the same person at 30. It's like, people aren't so thrilled about you at that point. It's like, what the hell have you been doing for the last 10 years? Well, I'm just as clueless as I was when I was 22. It's, yeah, but you're not 22. You're an old infant, right? And that's an ugly thing, an old infant. So, the, the re part of the reason you choose your damn sacrifice, because the sacrifice is inevitable, but at least you get to choose it. And then there's a, something that's, that's even more complex than that in some sense, is that the problem with being a child is that all you are is potential, and it's really low resolution. You could be anything, but you're not anything. So then you go and you adopt an apprenticeship, roughly speaking, and then you become, at least you become something. And when you're something, that makes the world open up to you again. You know, like if you're a really good plumber, then you end up being far more than a plumber, right? You end up being a good employer. Not, not that plumbers, I'm not putting plumbers down. It's like more power to plumbers. They've saved more lives than doctors. So, hygiene, right? So, you know, if you're a really good plumber, well, then you have some employees, you run a business, you, 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 make, you, you train some other people, you enlarge their lives, you're kind of a pillar of the community, you, you have your family. It's, you can, once you pass through that narrow training period, which narrows you and constricts you and develops you at the same time, then you can come out the other end with a bunch of new possibility at, hell, at hand. And Jung talked about that. He thought that the proper part of the proper path of development in the last half of life was to rediscover the child that you left behind as you were apprenticing. And so then you get to be something and regain that potential at the same time. Very, very smart. Well, he was very, very smart. So that's very wise, very wise thing to know. So. Sacrifice. We'll, we'll talk more about that too. You get to pick your damn sacrifice. That's all. You don't get to not make one. You're sacrificial whether you want to be or not. That's a good thing to know as well. So even though it's rather, you know, it's a rough thing to figure out. But other questions? Okay. That thing you just said about noticing it more and more and people late into their 20s. Yeah. Um, what do you think about that? Where do you think that comes from in terms of the culture we live in? I think universities facilitate it. Because you can go to university to not be something instead of going to university to be something. And, and that's, it's Pleasure Island. And the price you pay for it, especially in the US, is debt. And you're enticed into it because the administrators can pick your pocket. So they, they rob your future self while allowing you to pretend that you have an identity. Right? Very nasty. And you can't declare bankruptcy with your student loans in the US. It's indentured servitude. And it, it is ple it's precisely Pleasure Island. It's exactly that. And so tuition fees have shot way out of control. And part of the reason that universities don't make more demands on their students and let them get away with all the th things they let them get away with is because they're basically, why the hell would you chase them out? They're $100,000 or more. So they can do whatever they want as long as you get to sell them to the salt mines. Right. 
So, and the, you know, it's not the only reason because the other thing that's happened is that the rate of technological transformation is so fast now and the rate of turnover of things is that it's, it is genuinely harder for people who are say 18 to 20. When I was a kid, roughly speaking, the kind of rough patch for, for, for life is probably 14 to 17, something like that. Now it's, I think it's 18 to 25, something like that. And I, I think the reason for that is, is that all the jobs that the bloody hippies complained about being doomed to in the 1960s have now disappeared. Their problem was, oh my God, I'm going to go have to work for a corporation and get a salary for the rest of my life. You know, and then I'll just end up in it with a pension and that'll be my whole life. It's like, well, it seems like a lot better deal than an endless round of part-time Starbucks jobs. So, you know, some of it is that. It's, it's just, it's, it's, there's a space now in our culture that, that is lacking for people to make that transformation from, from adolescence into adulthood. And so it's just, it's, it's, the cost of that is forestalled. It's not a good thing. It's not a good thing. Hey, can you hear me? Your mom. <laughs> Your mom's house. <laughs> yes, I told you a lot of work. What's up, brother? Oh, man. I was masturbating. I was a little sick yesterday. Coronavirus got okay, me. You got the coronas? I'm covering pretty well. Yeah. I'm not reporting it, though. I don't want to get quarantined. <laughs> <laughs> You're like fucking 50% of the people that are probably dealing with this shit. The coronas. Yeah, so. it's probably gonna. It's, yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm not paying much fucking attention to it. It's just like swine flu and all the other shit. Yeah, you I should. I wish I knew which stocks to buy though. None of them apparently, because everything's getting out. So, all right. Are you shit money market? No, I, I don't touch. I don't even think about it. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna think about that stuff until I'm like 50, 55. If you're 50, 55, yeah. you should think about it. You should decide if you're gonna pull stuff out or whatever. And then never put it back in, but basically the the smart play is to put it in a fund and just forget about it. So. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I'm sure it is. This live gonna keep going until it's over. So stick with it. Dumbest shit ever, though. <laughs> How are the? Uh, you're in Brady, right? Hey, wait. You're Hang on, I'm putting on speaker. Maybe. You're in Brady. Yeah. Yeah. So the. Um, how are the stores doing over there? What do you mean? Everything, like people steal everything or no? Steal? I don't fucking know, man. I work at a uh, tire disposal, basically. Whatever. All right, man. So you ready to talk everything? Uh, hang on. Let me look up this dude's name real quick. That fucker walked over the walk in there. Do you see that? No, I heard the name though. What's his name? Over a volcano. It was actually pretty cool. He's like, "Oh Jesus, it's such a good view. Oh Jesus, the wind is blowing Nick Nick Walinda." <laughs> that sounds like the name, the Nick Walinda's or whatever. Yeah, yeah. They're, uh, apparently, they're a family. That does well, that I guess shit. I can ask you on the air because I'm, I'm gonna shit on baseball for a minute. <laughs> sure. 
Yeah, nobody gives a shit. All right, so let's uh, let's test the mic. Uh, 